0: Hey guys, you can now support this show and make your life 50% better by going to patreon.com forward slash the system is down and signing up for the Downers Club, where you're going to get access to a plethora of wild, crazy, and often offensive bonus audio and video episodes of the show on a weekly basis. For more information, just go to patreon.com forward slash the system is down. The following is a Goulash Media production. goulashmedia.net. Oh, <laughs> my night or twilight or evening or dawn to you downers and downets, wherever you may be whenever you may be listening to this show it's another episode of the Q and QAnon Chronicles I am your host Scott McElroy I'm here with another big old batch of uh you know well you know what to expect from this show uh a lot of information some of it speculative some of it uh, factual some of it speculation based on fact all of it interesting I hope um this week is going to be mostly the same, but a little bit different because it, it's going to be a little bit more overtly political in nature. Uh, it may feature a few more sweeping generalizations about how certain political factions generally tend to think and act. Don't take anything I say on this episode as a a specific and binding uh, description of every leftist or every progressively political person that exists. It's just a generalization for the sake of argument, but those will happen in this show. And before I get into that stuff, I wanted to talk about some, you know, some other stuff that irritates me. And, uh, There it is. Sorry for the long sigh. I, I had momentarily forgotten the thing that I was going to complain about. But don't fear. I remembered it. And I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Hand sanitizer pisses me off. I said it. There. I said it. Everybody is obsessed with it. Everybody wants all the hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer will will save us from the coronavirus. So we must use all of it. Look, this probably isn't even a unique gripe okay uh this is a gripe a lot of people have but i have it too and i'm gonna gripe about it hand sanitizer all you're doing is creating super bugs that's all you're doing you are just creating super diseases out of sci-fi novels when you use hand sanitizer that's all you're doing soap and water works okay just use soap and water it's easy you know sing the birthday song or whatever for 30 seconds wash your hands thoroughly you know rinse them dry them and you're good to go you use hand sanitizer and it's killing all the weak germs okay but it only kills 99.9 percent and that 0.01 percent of germs that doesn't get killed they have sex with each other and they make more of themselves and now you've got more germs that are way harder to kill why would you do that why don't you just use soap and water it works Okay? Stop using hand sanitizer. It's It smells gross. It's uncomfortable. The feeling of the evaporation is weird. And you're creating superbugs. So just, you know, stop it. In this very sensitive time of pandemic panic and quarantine, I know you think that you're helping, but you're not. You're not helping. Let's say you kill 99.9% of the coronavirus on your hand with that hand sanitizer. But the one virus that mutated doesn't get killed. Guess what that virus does? It reproduces. It makes another virus that also can't be killed by hand sanitizer. Enough people use the hand sanitizer to kill the virus, and before you know it, that virus is a lot harder to kill. So just stop it, get some soap, and scrub a dub dub, okay, you dummy? All right, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about what everybody's talking about, which is the coronavirus, and uh, today is going to be kind of. more of a rant than an information dump actually there's going to be information don't don't get me wrong but i'm going to rant about some stuff um because it's getting frustrating i think everybody is in the same boat um we're all on a spectrum of when we're going to hit our wall when our tolerance is going to uh exceed our reserves and um Everybody's going to hit that point at a different time, but we're all headed towards that point. Um, you know, it sucks. It, it sucks. Um, knowing that the government really, really doesn't want me to see anyone that I don't already live with and I can't go anywhere except for grocery stores. And lately, the recommendation has been don't go to the grocery store more than once a week. Uh, Once every two weeks is ideal. I mean, it's insane the amount of social limiting and uh, restriction of movement. And um, I'm a human. I'm a red blooded human. I love my friends. I love my extended family. I love, uh, you know, I wouldn't have said this before all of this happened, but I I love strangers too. And I'm not a, I'm not a fan of strangers. I don't like meeting them. I'm not a big, I don't go out of my way to meet new people. I don't really like doing that that much. But let me tell you, I would talk to a new person right now. I would talk to him for maybe even more than five minutes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's, that's how <clears throat> starved I am socially. I think everybody else is in the same boat. And here's why it's frustrating. Because it feels to me like way more people than I'm comfortable with refuse to ask any questions about what's going on. We're just trusting the experts, watching the TV, and obeying. And we're not asking why, and we're not asking whether or not it makes any sense. And it seems like we're actively, as in the mainstream media and the leftist uh, coalition in this country, are actively trying to like make this worse, lengthen the process. Um, I mean, it feels like they're trying to lock us into a 12- to 18-month maybe continuous, maybe repeating, cyclical quarantine process. They're trying, it feels like they're trying to keep our economy shut down. Um and 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 I'm going to be pulling from conversations that I have been having in my personal life with real life progressive leftists whom I cherish deeply. <laughs> um I'm going to be pulling from a lot of those conversations for this uh, podcast because that's my frontline experience with the progressive coalition. And um, so I'm going to share that experience. But yes, I've I've been in a conversation with uh, some close uh, friends in my life um, who definitely have very different political leanings from me. And it's just blowing my mind. We're talking about chloroquine let's talk about chloroquine because here we are at this point in the timeline now you know obviously um, the death rate continues to drop Um, models continue to be revised um, downgrading how many people are actually going to die from this thing Um, pretty much what we're talking about is we need a cure we need to make sure that we can roll it out and that it's effective before we reopen things. So, of course, hydroxychloroquine is the drug that the Trump administration has been talking about. It's a drug that India, the UK, Spain, Italy have already been using Um, effectively. Doctors in America have also been prescribing it now effectively. The FDA has approved it for off-label use, um, and it's effective. But for the progressives that I've been talking to, It's not safe and it hasn't been proven effective and we still need to run it through much more testing, much more testing, much more testing to determine if it really is safe. Well, this is a malaria drug treatment and unless there's some like a totally different set of tests every time you try to treat a new illness with the same drug, to find out new risks that you weren't even looking for the first time, which makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm imagining that the regulatory process is aiming to discover as many adverse effects and risks and poor drug interactions as they possibly can before they put it to market to treat any disease. So when we did the testing on hydroxychloroquine, whenever we did that testing to approve it for malaria, I'm assuming that we... Did our best to discern every single possible risk and adverse reaction a person could have to this drug before we put it to market. And if that's the case, if we already know what all of the risks are of this drug, then I think that if we can demonstrate that it cures 90% of the coronavirus patients that it's administered to, which So far, the data backs that up. I would imagine that it's really, there's not much more regulatory process that needs to be done, right? We already know the risks, and now we're just trying to determine whether or not it really is beneficial. Does it really cure the disease, right? But man, is it amazing how the talking points shift with the people that I've been talking to. I pointed that out, and it's like, well, yes, yes, yes you know all drugs have risks all drugs have adverse effects but with this we need to make sure you know that we're fully aware of the risks and that the the risks outweigh the benefits before we roll it out oh and 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 this whole conversation with this person i, I have not been explained to uh, uh how there are new risks that we could discover that we didn't know before that we weren't looking before for before, before it it hasn't really been explained adequately to me what exactly what we're doing looking for more risks and what what does that what does that mean i thought we already figured out what the risks of this drug are when we approved it for the use of the treatment of malaria so if we know what the risks are now we're just trying to figure out the benefits versus the risk and whether or not the benefit is worth the risks associated. If that's what we're trying to figure out now, then I'm kind of at a loss for what we're trying to figure out, right? Because clearly, we already decided that the benefit of curing malaria with this drug outweighs the known risks that we already discovered when this was submitted to the regulatory process the first time and if we we already know the risks and we decided that curing malaria is of greater benefit than the risks associated with taking the drug then i don't know what we're trying to deliberate about regarding the benefit of curing the coronavirus weighed against the risks of chloroquine because the risks haven't changed They're all still the same. We treat malaria with it, so clearly we've deemed that beneficial enough to outweigh the risks. But we're still trying to figure out if curing coronavirus is beneficial enough to outweigh the risks. I'm sorry. Did any country shut their economy down in response to the malaria virus? Has any country ever shut their economy down in response to any virus ever in human history? No. No, that has never happened before. So you're talking to leftists about this thing, and they're talking about risk-benefit analysis. And I'm like, "Um, we already did one. And we determined that the benefit of halting a a $20 trillion economy outweighed the risk of shutting down a 20 trillion dollar economy and that's a pretty big decision i think that's a bigger a much bigger risk than any of the risks associated with chloroquine but i've got leftists telling me that the responsible thing to do because this is what the experts are saying of course and that's where we're going next the experts are saying we need to test this more regulatory agencies exist for a reason because we want to make sure stuff is safe okay we will make sure it's safe. I'm being told by these people that we still need to figure out if chloroquine is safe enough to warrant using it to cure the coronavirus. Um, I feel like given the governmental response that we've already had to this thing, it seems to me, from what I'm being told anyway, that this virus is so deadly and so contagious and so serious that... We were willing to shut our whole economy down, but we have a drug that's already been approved by the FDA for treatment of other diseases that is proven to be an effective treatment for this disease, but we're still not sure if the benefit of curing the disease with chloroquine outweighs the risk of the adverse effects that chloroquine can have. Okay, if you're listening, I'm sure you understand how little sense that makes the the logical thinking there is is it doesn't exist and it and it's and it's frustrating to me because the people that I have these conversations with are highly intelligent people whose opinions I generally respect very much and I know they're capable of critical thinking but the suspension of critical thinking in leftism is kind of uh, a cornerstone of the whole system And here's what I mean. So, we're going to get into a little bit of a ramble on, you know, like political philosophy. This isn't information or news, so just bunker down. It's just an explanation of what I think is going on. So, here's the issue you can point out stuff. Let me back up, okay? I'm going to back up. Here's what's going on with the coronavirus. Here are actual statistics. These are actual, this is actual real data. So, I will give you some facts to start off death rates in the United States are the the same as they were last year and the year before at this point in the year. Death rates have remained unchanged. You you generally see some increase in death rates year over year, but that's just because people multiply. Um, There are more people on the planet year over year to die, so you get a small increase in death rates. But the increase from the 2017 to 2018 mortality rate and the 2018 to 2019 mortality rate. So far in 2020, we're seeing that same increase in mortality rates. So the same amount of people have died so far this year that died last year and the year before it. So there's that. Heart attack deaths have dropped off. Pneumonia deaths have dropped off. Flu deaths have dropped off. Cancer deaths have dropped off. The administration said, Dr. Burke said at one of the press conferences this week, that they're (coughs) counting anybody who died from the coronavirus, or I'm sorry, died with the coronavirus as a person who died from the coronavirus. So, you know, I think that the way you actually determine whether or not a pandemic is really, really bad is whether or not it's making a significant dent in the death rates and it isn't making a significant dent in the death rates, um, and and there could be explanations for that that aren't we're being manipulated about how serious this is. There could be. I'm not saying there can't be alternate explanations besides that one, but the point I'm making is that's not hard information to discover. Okay, and no one wants to ask any questions. That's what's frustrating. I wish people were asking more questions. I wish people were looking at data like that and at least asking, well, wait, if the death rate hasn't changed, then how serious is this? You know, but a lot of people are just like, oh, the government wants me to stay in my own home against my wishes for an indeterminate amount of time. Sure, that sounds appropriate. I mean, yeah, we haven't done anything like this before in human history for any disease, but yes, this is normal, and this is scientific, and this is the way that things need to be, and we should just obey and abide. And if we don't, then this virus will be around forever, and it's going to kill all of us, and blah, 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 blah. People are just cool with it. They're just fine with what's going on, and... No one seems troubled. They just want to trust the experts, right? Experts. Experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates and blah, 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 blah. Well, are these people really experts you want to trust? I mean, Fauci has been wrong every step of the way uh, since the very beginning of this thing. You know, in the beginning, he was reporting uh, in lockstep with CDC and China about how, you know, this wasn't a threat, and Americans shouldn't be worried, and it's not going to become a big deal, and uh, you didn't need to disrupt any of your daily life or anything, you know, the way that you do anything, and, uh, and, uh yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, it got bad, and so we came out with all these models, but the models, you know, way oversold how bad it was. Every step of the way, the, the the experts have been wrong about this, just like climate change experts have been wrong for 100 years, every step of the way. And I hate being told to trust people that are wrong, that I can prove are wrong, that continue to be wrong. If they're experts, they shouldn't be that wrong, right? Or if they're experts worth trusting, then... Uh, they shouldn't be that wrong it's like if if palm reading or astrology was a recognized school of science you know and and uh and not you know a, a, a fringe you know meta uh whatever if it was a real science you know what i mean and you could go get certifications in palm reading right and you went to like a highly certified palm reader all these palm reading degrees on her wall and everything she's got her like three doctorates in palm reading and you go to this lady and and she keeps reading your poem but she's wrong about it at some point you you have to stop trusting the expert and and stop going to that palm reader doesn't matter how many degrees she has it doesn't matter what kind of education she got she is demonstrably wrong. She's bad at being an expert in her field, um, particularly in science. Generally, if you can't predict things, your science is bad. So, you know, I'm being told we should just trust the experts. And it's insane that you don't want to trust the experts, and dangerous, in fact, that you would even question why we should trust the experts. Well, <sighs> Trust in the experts. Let's let's take a look at what Robert Kennedy had to say about our expert Bill Gates. And this is probably not news for anybody who's a member of the Downers Club or listens to the system is down because you know vaccination is uh, is a suspicious thing. So I'm going to read this to you. Just gotta, just gotta, just gotta pull it up and find it. Um, so. Bill Gates, this is the guy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said that. Vaccines for Bill Gates are a strategic philanthropy that feed as many vaccine-related businesses, including Microsoft's ambition to control global vaccine ID enterprise, and gives him dictatorial control over global health policy, the spear tip of corporate neo-imperialism. Gates' obsession with vaccines seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he is ordained to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment with the lives of lesser humans, promising to eradicate polio with $1.2 billion Gates took control of India's National Advisory Board and mandated 50 polio vaccines, up from five, to every child before age five. Indian doctors blamed the Gates campaign for a devastating vaccine-strain polio epidemic that paralyzed 496,000 children between 2000 and 2017. In 2017, the Indian government dialed back Gates' vaccine regimen and evicted Gates and his cronies from the NAB. Polio paralysis rates dropped precipitously. In 2017, the World Health Organization reluctantly admitted that the global polio explosion is predominantly vaccine strain, meaning it is coming from Gates' Vaccine program. The most frightening epidemics in Congo, the Philippines, and Afghanistan are all linked to Gates vaccines. By 2018, three quarters of global polio cases were from Gates vaccines. In 2014, the Gates Foundation funded tests of experimental HPV vaccines developed by GSK and Merck on 23,000 young girls in remote Indian provinces. Approximately 1,200 suffered severe side effects, including autoimmune and fertility disorders. Seven died. Indian government investigations charged that Gates-funded researchers committed pervasive ethical violations, pressuring vulnerable village girls into the trial, bullying parents, forging consent forms, and refusing medical care to the injured girls. The case is now in the country's Supreme Court. In 2010, the Gates Foundation funded a trial of GSK's experimental malaria vaccine, killing 151 African infants and causing serious adverse effects including paralysis, seizure, and febrile convulsions to 1,048 of the 5,049 children. That's the same guy who's declared in recent weeks that all large public gatherings may not return at all until we have a vaccine that we've gotten out, basically, to the entire world. That's an expert. Now, if you want to take a look uh people like Dr. Fauci and who they've been spending their time with over the last couple of decades, you can, and you'll find out a lot there as well. Uh, yeah, you know, this is my show, so you may get another bit of content this week before next Fridays, but uh, that's just what's been on my mind lately, um, and I kind of wanted to do a specific focus on just that this week. This whole, um, first of all, the illogic of our response to chloroquine, and second of all, um, the problem with trusting the experts, um, and and, and I'll, I'll post another one. I'll post another one this week yep, I just made the decision. You're going to get two this week. This one is just basically me venting my quarantine frustration. And uh, the next one that you'll get this week, you'll see it pop up as a notification. I'm not sure when. Maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. We'll be uh, more of a deeper dive into some uh, more Q-specific stuff because there's some good stuff, but I just, I wanted to give that its uh, due diligence as well. So we'll, we'll do another episode for that. You get two this week. Aren't you lucky? Uh, But with that, I'm going to let you go. Have a fantastic, uh, whenever it is for you, afternoon, morning, evening. Uh, I don't know, but I hope it's great. And uh, like us, share subscribe to us on all your favorite social media. Join the Downers Club on Patreon. Five bucks a month or more if you want. You could. Be a member of the Downers Club. And what happens when you're a member of the Downers Club is you get filled with this warm, tingly feeling of uh, coolness and acceptance and superiority, and you also get uh, bonus content that's not available for free on our normal page. So uh, do all of that, please. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, uh, or later this week, rather, this has been another Dispatch from the Cuniverse. Take a cheesy lemon squeezy. has been a goulash media production goulashmedia.net this concludes our broadcast day click